Episode of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, as we wrap up this last week in May, we're already done with May. What do you have to bring us from the news desk this week, sir? Scott Steiner returns to TNA. Yeah, we brought this up a couple weeks ago very briefly. He's in the uh, the announcer's feud. Well, yeah, so we're going to, uh, but he's stepping back in the ring. I would imagine he's stepping back in a very limited capacity based on his appearance. Uh, At WrestleCon, he looks very gaunt. Yes, he he does, but he's stepping back in the ring, which I was shocked at Slammiversary, and so we're going to see what capabilities happen with, uh, with Scott Steiner in the ring. That's what I'm interested in. I think he's just yeah. going to wear a shirt and jeans and be an enforcer type. I don't. Jeremy Borash will be paired with the former Abyss, now known as Joseph Park, to take on Josh Matthews and Scott Stunt. This is a tag team match. I Like I said, I, ju- I just don't see this guy doing a lot. I mean, he just looks like he's in very bad condition. I mean, he, he did when we saw him. He was very deflated. I've been in the ring with him a few times, but when I've been in the ring with him, he's been just the same big pop of pop. So, I mean, towards the last few years of his career, anyway it's not like he was setting the world on fire in the room. i mean it's not going to be a five-star classic by any oh means. no yeah yeah i got a feeling this is going to be royal rumble versus triple h all over again i mean announcers fighting in the ring i mean jb taking on josh matthews i mean josh matthews was at least a wrestler i mean jb has never been a wrestler so no hopefully this match takes about five minutes because i mean feuds with announcers and feuds with security guards as we'll find out later on are very low on the totem pole of wrestling f- storylines I mean, they are some of the worst storylines. When you start mixing them in, or like ring announcers, ref. Sorry, Patrick, but when you're involved in a ma- in like a major storyline, right? That's not good. That's not true. Explain a, a story. I mean, what? I mean, I thought that it added so much to this coming pay per view with the referee strike. 
It, it, of course, you, you were did. excited because the refs got a, a featured I, part. No, I thought it, it added, added nothing. It, it added, was a throwaway. It was a thing. great. It was a great way to intersect Austin into the the main event. It was a great way to intersect all the bad refing. The bad refing. Yeah, it was. It was very. Very well. Terrible stuff. No, we'll get into no. that later. But I'll, in my opinion, wrestling angles are better when it's between wrestlers and not announcers. Right. As, well, announcer feuds. An announcer feuding with another announcer, like the Jerry Lawler Michael Cole feud that lasted for like two years. I mean, was I mean in that match at WrestleMania 27 that went on for like 20 minutes and was terrible. Like, oh, it was awesome on Lawler's part. It was just shit on. Cole's part. Michael Cole does not need to step in a wrestling ring. It was still shitty. I mean, it, to to waste that much time on it in a WrestleMania, and I mean, this is TNA's version of WrestleMania Slammiversary. Yeah. So, so to have an announcer feud on the WrestleMania of TNA or Impact Wrestling now, I don't know. I don't know. This this is going to be a mess. I'm afraid. We uh, 17 years ago this week, we lost the legendary Owen Hart, and. Uh, we just, I just wanted to talk for a second on his legacy. Well, I, mean, I think he was uh, an outstanding uh, in-the-ring wrestler and a great character. Very underutilized, though, uh, because he was not six foot seven and right. three fifty or what. I don't, I don't know this. The, you know, he just uh, he was never going to get to that main event level in the WWF at that time. Now, in today's WWF. Absolutely. If if he was if he was in his like I mean AJ Styles, not to say that Owen is as good in the ring as AJ Styles is, but you know AJ's an undersized guy. Yeah. But he's already been the world champ, and I mean Jinder Mahal, an undersized height wise guy. I mean yeah. bursting at the seams with muscles, but and also having two world titles. Like if he if he was in an era of having two world titles, he definitely would have been featured. Uh, it's unfortunate that I think breaking Austin's neck really hurt his career a little bit because you know backstage they probably lost some confidence in him a little bit and then when Brett left and they didn't go with Owen against Sean uh, when they instead went with I mean Austin was going to be the main event at that year's Wrestlemania at 14 anyway but yeah the intermediate like storyline to get there I think Owen should have probably wrestled Sean at at Royal Rumble at least instead of Undertaker yeah, and they didn't go with him then, and so just they they missed a lot of opportunities with this guy. And then of course, you know, the night of his his death, he was mid card blue blazer. I mean, just being wasted. So it's unfortunate. I think everyone knows what a great wrestler he was and oh, a great person yeah. he was. Absolutely. So. We're going to uh, my pick pick this week. We're actually going to celebrate Owen in um, in one of the fondest moments in my fan side of of memories of, of Owen so there's a little sneak peek into later in the show got a message the other night from uh, Gunner from TNA and he said hey just wanted to let you know I'm getting ready to tweet this out but I'm letting some of my close friends know ahead of time he has signed with WWE so big ups to to Gunner and uh, wish him some some major luck all the best I still owe you a receipt don't know when it's coming but be ready so you have anything to add on Gunner? yeah good for him uh, you know uh, NXT is going to be promoting some people very soon I imagine I don't I don't see Bobby Roode doing a lot more time there so you're going to need more bodies uh, so that's very good very good for him transitions to the main roster if they keep if he stays there long enough and they want to take him to the main roster it's just you hope that they have something for him when he gets to the main roster because a lot of these NXT guys 
they get there and they don't know what to do. With yeah, them. Tyler Breeze, Apollo Cruz, they get promoted and then they just say, uh, and Gunner, "You're just a guy that wrestles." Gunner, I mean, his body, he looks like a million bucks, and so. Oh yeah, he's got the look that they and, like, and he's got and he's got the work ethic. I mean, the man can wrestle a five star match, and he wrestles every night basically because yeah. he does every indie show. That I I can't tell you many times I look at a indie show in this area. In particular, I mean, he lives in the South, so he probably does more work here. But he lives in uh, in Kennesaw, about forty five minutes north of uh, of Atlanta, there's right around not, there. So there's not a card, an independent card around here that I don't see him working. And I yeah. mean, he even shows up to like TWE. I mean, not exactly the highest ranking indie shows i mean he just he goes everywhere and he doesn't care who to work with and he's that's the kind of attitude it takes to to just say you're not too good to do this you're not too good to do that so yeah hard work hopefully it pays off for him yeah he was uh he was really feeling down and out a couple months back and was actually considering hanging it up yeah i'm thrilled that he stuck it out just to get this phone call and so yeah man more power to him absolutely congratulations gunner last but certainly not least a very small interview has surfaced with sports illustrated and Vincent Kennedy McMahon, where Vince McMahon let it slip that his plans at first for WrestleMania 12 were actually going to have O.J. Simpson versus Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yeah, he he greatly considered it. Yeah, this was, uh, I mean, I don't think Vince had ever talked about this before, but I mean, you can go back and watch the Hollywood Backlot Brawl. And see that. I mean, they took clips from the chase. I mean, this was, you know, the business was down. He was looking for anything to give it a, give it some main, mainstream media coverage and boy he would have gotten a lot of it because i mean the trial had just I think ended i think it ended in 95 so yeah. this would have been huge this would have been a huge get for and, wwf and, very controversial right and, had he done it and oj was going to um cash in and make some money on the whole deal as well yeah because he was about to lose all his money to the family of ron yeah. goldman and nicole brown simpson so which he has never paid so it's a good thing they didn't do this though because Why? Why is that? I, I was I wanted to get your opinion. It's a good thing they didn't go this route because he's one of those very very polarizing figures. I mean, he is not going to. And later on, uh, you know, not anywhere near the trial, but later on in OJ's career, he did a reality show and did some videos like Juiced. That's what it was called, Juiced, and it was like his version of like hidden camera, like. You just been like punked because yeah. you just got juiced. Yeah, that got a lot of negative attention, and I mean, it really makes he just looks like a scumbag. I mean, sorry, I, I can't put it any other way. And so to associate your brand with him brings you down to that level. And it's not like the WWF had a sparkling clean image anyway with the steroid trial and right everything or- else they were involved in to get to get involved with OJ Simpson after the murder trial or after the murder in general it just brings you down to that it makes you look like you're on his level so you think he was he was more kind of like a nuclear bomb and you don't want to handle him you don't want to be around him you don't want to especially within that time frame you, you he's the type you just wanted to steer clear not have anything to do with oh yeah absolutely it's uh for, for reputation purposes i mean no press is bad press you were probably going to sell a lot of pay-per-views because of just morbid curiosity yeah so but long term i mean linda mcmahon wouldn't be sitting in the white house cabinet today if she had one at one time 
employed O.J. Simpson. That is true. That's after true. the murder trial, or even those Senate runs, uh, any kind of WWE, like be a star bullying, can- anything they wanted to do, all people are going to say is, no, you worked with O.J. Simpson. We don't want anything to do with you. Susan G. Komen, nobody's going to want to work with you if, oh, we hired somebody that, you know, he was innocent in a court of law, but most people believe that yeah. he probably murdered those people. So, yeah. and I mean, he was definitely, he was found civilly liable for it anyway. So if he had done it, like I said, he would have, it would have been, they would have cashed it, but it's like, do you want to just cash out now or do you want to just think about the future like because long term the damage just would have been not too great yeah the hollywood backlot brawl is one of my favorite matches it's entertaining as hell i mean it it's, really i think it's entertaining not a good wrestling match oh though. no it's not a it's a it's a plunder match but yeah no it's entertaining but but i i'm curious my curiosity is peaked as to because if there was anybody i'd want in a match with that could carry me it would be roddy piper and so uh, my curiosity is peaked is what would have you know what would it have been like if it was OJ versus Piper at WrestleMania 12. And that's not to say you can't do business with individuals with somewhat shady past. I mean they did business with Mike Tyson who you yeah. know had been to jail for rape and had done other terrible things uh but he but once you cross the murder line I think is is where it goes and uh a match between I mean football players you know I mean they just had LT in at WrestleMania Mania 10. Yeah. And WCW was always bringing in football guys. There's always been an obsession with pro wrestling bringing football players in. I mean, even Pac Man Jones and TNA. There's always just, for some reason, they value bringing in football stars. They value famous people. No, it doesn't really. I mean, Shaq, you know, for instance, it doesn't. The guy from Arrow, you know, it doesn't matter who it is. So long term, I think Vince is probably very thankful that he didn't bring oj in but yeah it would have been very tempting to do it so i think i would have gone ahead and and been like yeah hell yeah let's do business because that's going to get me that's going to get him on the sports page that's going to get me on the front page of the news and that's going to make make people go what in the hell it would work out better in 95 than it would today with social media and people being able to react so publicly right because back then you didn't have social media, or right, not, not to the not to the extent you had AOL. Yeah, you could go in an AOL chat room and voice your displeasure on yeah. your fifty six k modem. Yeah, but there's outrage over the dumbest things now on social media, and so imagine something like that. But in ninety five, I think it would have the time if you were going to attempt something like that, it would have been better pre internet. I just have two stories to add this week. Sean Waltman is an innocent man, Patrick. Is he they now? got it wrong. He didn't have meth on him at the airport. So he was telling the truth when he said he had yeast infection medication in his bag. And somehow this yeast infection medication, look, yeah, I know. It's very, men can get yeast infections, apparently. Apparently it looked like meth. These cops just assumed, uh, maybe one of the cops knew of X-Pac and knew his past. And right. just assumed, this is some sort of illegal drug, Mr. X-Pac. We're going to have to take you in. But after they tested it, yeah, it came back negative. And he, in California, of course, marijuana is legal. And he had a legal amount of marijuana on him in California. He never got on the plane, so he committed no federal crime. So he's a free man. He's good to go. Uh, Congratulations. But it did cost him that date over in uh, Europe. 
So that's unfortunate, but that does suck. It's good that he was because uh, it's rare that you see a celebrity say that I'm innocent, and it turns out they actually are. Yeah, like yeah. OJ, for instance. It's it's one of those things that is very rare when if it does not fit, you must equip. Well. And those pills did not fit. And so last week when I mentioned his story about bringing meth on, I just wanted to say, no, you hey, know, he's been vindicated. I'm, I'm glad that Waltman is a, is a free man. He can show up to these NWO reunions at every fan fest around the country now. And so. now now we, you think he'll go in the Hall of Fame? Boy, we're really reaching. If we're I, look, He's he, the only one out of the clique that's not in there except for Triple H. And we all know that's coming. So Well, he'll be in before Triple H, I guess, because... Triple H knows that he's going to catch a lot of heat when he finally... I mean, he's always... Well, it's like if when Vince goes in. Vince isn't going to go in until he's dead, Yeah, um, I think. I think the year he dies is the year they'll put him in. Yeah, but as far as Triple H, I mean, he already his entire career is going to be hounded by the fact that he's part of the McMahon family. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He married into, into his position. That's what a lot of people think. and Well, he did. I mean, there's no... Well... Patrick, if he wasn't married to Stephanie McMahon, he wouldn't be running this company. Yeah, that is true. However, I mean, the man has delivered and done a great job in running this company. He's I think. done a great job with NXT. His business side, his yeah, has business, been fine. his business side is tremendous. I mean, look at all the likes of people we've gotten back. Oh, in the good, roster is just yeah, and stacked. The, and the likes of people, legendary wise, that we've we've gotten good graces with. Yeah, and, Bruno. Yeah, so Warrior. Yeah, that's true. I mean, just uh, so, I mean, yeah, you have to admit that he has mended fences. Goldberg. I mean, the fact that Goldberg stepped in a ring and had another, you know. Three or four months. Because they were not going to do business with Goldberg, Warrior, Bruno. They were not going to do business with these guys ever again. No. So yeah, you're right. I mean, he has done a good job, and it's just the it's that stretch when he's dating Stephanie and he's still wrestling and he's cunt Triple H and he's you know not putting anyone over and he's and all those title runs and the lengthy title runs and that's yeah. At one point in time, he went like a year and a half, right? Oh my God, this guy. I mean. The fact that he hand, you know, Big Goldie was handed to him out of a suitcase from Eric Bischoff. It's just like that kind of. That's the run he had that was like over a year and a half. Yeah, part I mean, of the, probably that Steiner run. Where those Steiner feuds were yeah. like. I mean, he was like one of the maybe the first or second heel to walk out of WrestleMania with the belt. It's that it's that era of Triple H that will always follow him around. And yeah. so when he knows when he goes into the Hall of Fame, it's going to be. The internet will light up that day. With uh, So you think Waltman will go in, though? Oh, we're at the point now with these Hall of Fame. We've talked about the Hall of Fame before. I mean, it just depends on, they have, you know, they're five, five or six people, every class, and they just need to check the box for every single one of them. And Sean Waltman would be, he would be in DDP's slot, I guess, this past year. I mean, DDP accomplished much more and was a headline, I mean, was main eventing paper. Reviews. I mean, yeah. Sean Waltman, sorry. I mean, unless it was a multi-man tag, he was never main eventing. I say that, but he main evented one of those UK pay-per-views, so he did. That was only available in the UK. What do they need to check the box by whatever year? And they say, and they really like people that are alive, because now it's down to one dead person a year. So, I, yeah, he's definitely. I would love to see, and I'm going to annoy the hell out of people till this happens. I want to see the Rock and Roll Express in the Hall of Fame. Well, the Rock and Roll Express, you're talking about the Midnight The Midnight Express, Express I'm sorry, yes. Oh, yeah. I think they'll probably next year or the year after. I, I, mean, I want to see my good friend, beautiful Bobby Eaton, get his well-deserved recognition. So, yeah, he'll, he'll be. they'll all be in, Patrick. Don't worry about it. Eventually, 
And maybe one day they'll have an actual Hall of Fame, so you could hey, people that'd could be, go. That'd be better too. Finally, the last topic: the the Hardy Boys and Impact Wrestling. Their their feud continues this week. The new president of Impact Wrestling sent out communications between him and the Hardy Boys and their contracts that stated basically that Impact owns Broken Matt and Brother Nero and all this stuff. And then Reby Hardy gets on. Twitter and fires back stuff. So the the news that really came out of all this was that the WWE was in contact. Well, the guy from Impact emailed WWE and said, I've read all these rumors online that you want these gimmicks. Do you want them? I mean, let's talk. Let's make it happen. And the company wrote back to him, no, we have no interest in it. Really? So if that's true and the company doesn't really have any interest in it, the issue is, I think that's it. It's over. I mean, I don't think you're going to see these characters in the WWE. And I mean, unless Matt Hardy and Jeff take this to court themselves and try to get it settled out, but the company uh, doesn't want to do it themselves or be a part of it. So I just don't think this isn't going to happen. They're going to have to start going to the drawing board. And if they want Matt and Jeff to play different characters, it's time to start coming up with it yourself. Yeah, the nostalgia is... Quickly burning out. This feud they're currently in with Cesaro and Sheamus is going. No, they've beaten Cesaro and Sheamus every Raw and every pay per view they fought them in for yeah. the last two months. And yeah. they're going to have another match where I imagine the Hardy Boys are going to win again. And yeah, it's just not doing much for them. Sheamus owes owes uh, is owed a receipt from Jeff Hardy for kicking his tooth out. Uh, well, Jeff should really start wearing a mouth guard. I'd be really man. That would hurt. I've never had a tooth. Have you ever had a tooth knocked out? No. Yeah, I mean either. I mean that. I had one knocked loose one time, but that's a, that was, that's about it. So yeah, that does not sound pleasant. But yeah, no, the nostalgia. I mean, yes, we're glad they're back. Yes, it's awesome to see them. Yes, but we you gotta give us a little bit more. It's kind of slowly dying. And do you think if the Hardys settle out of court or win and end up getting the uh, the gimmick themselves, that they'll just go ahead and... I do think that the company would be foolish not to use it, but they're just not going to... They're not going to fight for it. Right, and they don't, and that's because they don't want a precedent. They don't want to set a precedent that they'll do this all the time. For everybody in their past characters. That's, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, they just... They don't want to get involved in that stuff. Yeah. They want to actually create and own your character from the beginning. You yeah. know, and they don't want, I mean, they want to change your name when you come into the company most of the time. So, so that way when people get, yeah, signed from the indies that this company doesn't have to pay up basically. Well, now we go back to 1999. This was my pick for this week because last week we reviewed the Thunderdome match. Yes. From Halloween Havoc 89, which was a, a bad gimmick match. And so I said, you know what? We saw one bad gimmick match. I want to take it a step further and see an even worse gimmick match. And so we had 10 years into the future where, of course, the main event tonight. Now, it might seem like the main event is a six-pack challenge for the WWF world title. No. No, it is not. No, the hardcore title is the main event. That's true because it's a kennel from hell match happening tonight between Al Snow and the big boss man. And, of course, payback was on the mind of Al Snow as his dog, man's best friend, Patrick. Pepper was, was stolen and tragically cooked and force-fed to Al Snow, which is disturbing and sad in and all of itself. Right, which is why you need a big stipulation. And they decided on a kennel from hell match. Yes. The Hell in a Cell encompasses not only the ring, but another cage, a blue old-style steel cage in the ring. Which I love that. And then surround it by ravenous dogs. Rottweilers. Rottweilers, That will tear you 
limb from limb. But you know what dog is the best baseball player? A Doverman pitcher. Thanks, Jerry Lawler. That's That sounds like a Jerry Lawler joke. From, it was. So we head up. But we also learned what word of the day is for this pay-per-view. Brainerism. Oh, yes. Mark Henry taught us a new vocabulary word yes. this week. It's September 26, 1999. Charlotte, North Carolina. The Charlotte Coliseum in front of a reported 15,779 people. I don't know about that. That was a... There was a lot of blacked out space yeah. in the crowd, but we'll take their word for it. I mean, they'd never lie to us. No, never. This is really the end of an era because the wrestling world is about to change big time because this is Vince Russo's final WWF pay-per-view before he goes to WCW and And fucks it up for all of us. Well, I think WCW was fucking up plenty on their own. He helped uh, sink the the boat. But yes, this is uh, Vince Russo's final pay-per-view as Booker. And this also is an important pay-per-view for what happens in the Intercontinental title match. Coming up a little bit later, which we'll talk about. But we're, of course, in horseman country. Charlotte, North Carolina. The old, the WWF Big New York has invaded the NWA's old running ground here. If you're wondering what WCW was doing during this time, they'd just done a fall brawl without War Games. War Games was dead. And Sting is the WCW world champion. He'll Sting with evil Lex Luger as his buddy, I think. Red face paint Sting. I think this was past Wolfpack. I think he was back to black and white now. Really? Okay. Yes. The pay-per-view opens up now. Interesting note, the poster for this show, Unforgiven, features... The Undertaker. Yeah, The Undertaker, who but is... Not there. <laughs> yeah. That's why you don't print your posters early. Is uh, You never know what's going to happen. Apparently, it was going to be... He was going to be part of the six-man challenge. And he was going to be taking Kane's spot. That's right. That is right. I don't know if he got injured. That's... That's what happened. Well, that's okay. what really happened. The storyline reason was that he walked out on the company. He had a groin tear that he was nursing, and he needed surgery on it. Ooh. He had tried to fight through it, wanted to tough it out, but he ended up having surgery on it. He walked out, in quotation marks, on SmackDown. He would reemerge. He was supposed to work Armageddon, and he got injured again. And that, of course, led to biker taker so he would he would miss wrestlemania 2000 probably a good thing because wrestlemania 2000 sucks oh come on that's a great pay-per-view but yeah that's what happened to our friend the undertaker who which i had never known this i read this on his wikipedia page do you know the reason he started doing the biker taker gimmick or why is this because he had started showing shades of this with he was in a tag team with big show heading into this thing and right. so he was starting to act more this is slowly moving out of ministry. Yeah, the Ministry of Darkness was done, and he was sort of morphing already into Biker Taker. But the reason he wanted to go to Biker Taker is because he was considering signing with WCW. This is according to Kevin Nash. And so when he would go to WCW, you'd have to be Mark Callis again. And so he wanted to show there's more, you know, this other character. He wanted to be more of the real him. He could be the biker mean Mark Callis that he was. So he could take that with him, but he can't be the Undertaker. So thank goodness he ended up deciding against signing, though I think he would have made a lot of money and not had to do a lot of work. Oh, man. He would have made... He would have been the highest paid person in WCW. Yeah, and then that would have increased Kevin Nack because they had all those Favored Nations contracts. So they all get a raise, too. That would have increased... Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Hogan, Hogan, all the top guys. Goldberg. And he wouldn't have he probably would have had to wrestle like one match and then he could have just said, "I think I'm just going to sit at home." Yeah. And they'll just pay him the same anyway. It's your favorite type of pay-per-view opening. It's Freddie Blassie. Oh. With a female announcer reading some scripture ending with, "Have mercy on our souls." 
That's right. In his classic Freddie Blassie voice. This might have been the highlight of the show, Patrick. I hate to say it. Uh, this oh, was, come on now. We haven't even gotten into the arena, and I've already seen one of the best things on the show. I, I agree with you. Freddie Blassie, his voiceovers are just tremendous. Tonight, Patrick, a new champion, will be crowned. Guaranteed. We have a vacant title. Of course, Vince McMahon beat Triple H for the title and then vacated it. He didn't want to be involved on screen in any more company business. Didn't want to do this. So, And this is also when Austin was still running the company, too. Oh, okay. This is Austin with CEO, so. The referees are on strike, Patrick. Scab refs. Some refs are going to cross the picket line. Patrick and break with the other refs. Not a good ref union they have. No. It's kind of odd that WWF would venture into the idea of unions as they do not, you know, they've never wanted a wrestling union. Jesse Ventura talked, you know, all the time about he wanted to form a wrestler's union. And of course, Hogan, the top guy making all the money, doesn't want a union. He talked. Hogan wouldn't allow it to happen. So, and they've never had a union and they thus have never had, you know, healthcare benefits or anything else. And so, for the WWF to even have a kayfabe, you know, strike and labor strike and union is right. kind of odd because they don't want to actually have any unions that work for them. So, odd that they would venture into that territory. JR and King are our commentators for tonight, the old the classic lineup. Opening match. Oh boy. This is uh, Slobber Knocker written all over it. It's definitely 1999 because it's Val Venus taking on Steve Blackman. And you want to know why this match is happening? Because Val stole Blackman's bag. Bag of goodies. Yeah, which. And then proceeded to put his bag of goodies inside that bag. Right. So. Steve Blackman opened up a bag of sex toys and was not, not pleased with no. with that. You know it's the uh, the Attitude Era when Steve Blackman's holding a dildo in his hand. Val Venus gets on the mic. He does his Val Venus promo. He mentions there's a hurricane. I think it was Hurricane Linda or Hurricane something blew through. And he says, just like that hurricane blew through, I was blown from one side of this state to the other. Yes. JR says to that, oh, it's windy here. Yes. I don't think that's what he meant, but... Steve Blackman's out next. JR says some people call Steve Blackman the silent assassin. This is not a good good nickname to have when you're in pro wrestling, that you are silent. Why is this? Because it means you have no character. If I called you the silent referee, I mean you're pretty boring. Saying that you are silent is like saying you're boring. They might as well have just said boring Steve Black. Our first scab ref of the night, the Brooklyn Brawler. Yeah, Vince Lombardi. Not Vince Lombardi, Steve Lombardi. Steve Lombardi, sorry. Vince Lombardi is who the NFL Super Bowl trophy is named yeah, after. The sorry. old Green Bay Packers yeah. coach. Steve Lombardi, sorry. Bear with me, Steve, I'm sorry. Not very many moves in this match. Any wrestling moves. Unlike WCW pay-per-views where the main event would suck and the undercard was okay, this was... WWF pay-per-views were stacked the opposite way where they were the they were done correctly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, where the the first match shut shit, you know, and second match a little better, you know. So not many moves to call for this match. Blackman hits a backbreaker, a snap suplex, and a headlock. Venus hits a side rush and leg sweep. Blackman hits a spine buster for a two count. Venus hits a bulldog and a DDT before of course hitting the money shot. And then this finish made no sense because then Blackman gets all of his heat back when he opens up a bag the bag that Venus had, his bag, and gets out a kendo stick and then whacks Venus in the head with it. Oh, he smacked the hell out of him. It was a stiff hit. Then some EMTs come out, including an EMT that wrestled in a bikini match, the woman with the the, uh, the large chest area. Really? Yeah, she did a bikini match, I believe, with Sable or Miss Kitty, one of those two. Now, the head of security here, I think his name was John Dotson. Yes, 
who who recently just passed. Yeah, he died in 2015. He comes out, and he's with the EMTs for some reason. And Steve Blackman starts mouthing off to the EMT woman that was in the bikini contest. And, well, John Dodson does not like that. He double-legs Steve Blackman. You just let your security guy. This would be like if Doug... Well, Bill- first of all... Do not compare this man to Doug Dillinger, because I know that's exactly where you're going with this. This man is ripped. This His arms are the size of mine and your waist, okay? Oh, he's jacked. This dude is ripped. He's bursting at the seams. Yeah, and he is. he makes Blackman look like a very small man. I understand that. So I think it's, it's okay for him to pull a double leg takedown. Patrick, you can't have your wrestlers getting taken down by the fucking security staff, no matter who it is. Your, your security guard could be Stone Cold Steve Austin. Austin, but not Stone Cold. You know, Steve Austin, if he's not a wrestler, say he's your head of security. You can't have him go in your ring and make your wrestler look like an idiot. Your other staff, a cameraman, can't get in the ring and tombstone The Undertaker. Oh, well, yeah. Okay, so you can't have but John Dodson. Think, think about what you just said. You're comparing. You didn't see the top guys getting double legged by the security guy, okay. but you can't have your bottom guys either. I think you can. You can't do that, Patrick can't do it. You're putting the company out of business. This feud would go nowhere, by the way. John Dodson never worked a match with Steve Blackman after this. Uh, I think he was actually in the pos- process of... They were featuring him heavily on TV. I mean, I recognize this guy even for... I didn't remember his name, but I recognize this guy because he just stands out, and they would put him in backstage scenes and at the side of the ring, so he was always lingering. Well, he, was the big, he was the big part in regards to the ending of uh, Royal Rumble 2000. Remember, the big show brings him in. He's like, hey, he's the one who was, he's a WWF employee. He's the one who was sitting on the same corner. And, and oh, yeah, no, the Rock's legs hit first, the big show won. And that was what led into the main event for, for WrestleMania 2000. So. Wow. Did you not know this? I've forgotten that. I, I, I recently watched that, but I, I knew that the big show complained, but I forgot that he dragged a guy in the ring to say, yeah. Yeah. He saw it. So, yeah, you just had your superstar get double-legged by your security guard. I am Doug I, Dillinger goes in there and tackles Goldberg. Oh, I'd love to see that shit. We go backstage. We're with Michael Cole. He's with Big Show. Big Show doesn't know where Undertaker is. Michael Cole, instead of asking the Big Show about the Big Show, he just says, hey, where's Undertaker? Where's the popular person here? Says he doesn't know where the Undertaker is, but he's going to leave with the belt tonight. I don't know where he is, but you're talking to me. I'm, I'm 500 pounds. I'm seven foot four. I'm the world's biggest athlete. You're talking to me, not the Undertaker. What is it with you, Michael Cole? Have you just taken a stupid pill today? Is that what your problem is? If you check the roster, the last time I checked it, the Undertaker's name is not on the roster. And my name is The Big Show. Got it? Now, if you remember, I've been to the learning tree. I've had all the tough love and the hard knocks. And I have a killer instinct in me now that nobody can compare with. And there is no way that I am leaving tonight without the WWF title in my bag or around my waist. You've got it, monkey. D'Lo Brown versus Mark Henry is next. I, I am... Bear with me, because I am having a brainurism today. Sorry to hear that. Did yeah. you take some Tylenol? I did. I took some Tylenol, some leave, and so uh, so I'm hoping my brainurism goes away. So just... 
A great promo piece. Rare that you see a promo piece this intricate for the second match on the card, but... Well, and for the European title, too. Yeah, they wanted to remind you that these two guys were best friends. They give you the definition of friendship. Webster's Dictionary defines friends as one attached to another by affection or esteem. For years, D'Lo Brown and Mark Henry have been a perfect example of this definition. You can't wrestle tonight, man. What are you talking about, Doc? Your blood pressure is 190 over 120. Man, I'm all right, man. Mark, oh, Mark, 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 oh. Mark, listen to the doc, man. You don't want your head to explode or like that. Get the stroke, oh. have a heart attack. When Mark Henry's health was in trouble, it was D'Lo Brown who helped and encouraged his friend to get back on the right track. Come on, that's my job. Let's get busy. Come on. What you got to do is we got to start from within, working out from within, and it's along with all the training, get your weight down, get your blood pressure down, brother. It's all about you, man. It's about not losing a friend. Man, can a brother get some sauce, some butter, or something? As many of us experience throughout life, sometimes our best friends can turn out to be our biggest enemies. Mark Henry just hit D'Lo Brown in the back of the head with a guitar, and Jeff Jarrett has won two titles. Tonight, consider yourself the new WWF European Champion. Mark Henry turning his back on his friend D'Lo Brown, yeah. and that's what it was all about. It's not about belts. It's not about matches. It's about a friendship loss. I've said time and time again, D'Lo would have not lasted this long in the WWF if it wasn't for me. It's about titles for him, not about a friendship. Mark Henry was given, given this European title, and it counts as a, he's recognized as a champion. Yes. Andre the Giant is spinning around, or Ted DiBiase is not dead, so he's not spinning around in his grave, but Ted DiBiase was sold the belt by Andre the Giant, the world title. And yes. they, did, they refused, you know, Jack Tunney, Refused to recognize him as a champion. What happened to Jack Tunney? Well, eventually, I mean... That, was, that's like Jimmy Hoffa, man. I don't know where he went. Nobody knows. Nothing. Yeah, on screen, I... I we want... I would have to look up the clip of where it's explained, but, you know, Piper was his replacement, I think. Right. And that was just it. It was never like, yeah, he was impeached, or he was fired, or... It's like, just, I'm telling you, man, it's like Jimmy Hoffa and everything, dude. Just it's a mystery, like, man. Just gone. Out of thin air. Nobody <laughs> knows where he is, what happened. You know what? Here on Retro Wrestling Podcast, we are going to be the first ones to tell you what happens. Well, on WCW, as soon as we find him... I am going to hunt it down. WCW sort of did the same thing with President Nick Bockwinkle. He just sort that of true. disappeared, true. and then J.J. Dillon's the authority but figure. But at least you saw Nick... Bockwinkle again. You never saw ever <laughs> Jack saw Tunney was Jack Tunney again. Like never. Not even he was abducted. In, not even in the audience somewhere. Was like, he ever put into the Hall of Fame? No. <laughs> so he just that's it. Yes. Jack Tunney has never been put in the Hall of Fame. So he's just been erased from history. So anyway, they show Jeff Jarrett. You can apparently just hand your title over. So look. And it counts. Hey, listen. Gender bro. Mahal. I, you're, you're, we're like family. I love you to death. You deserve this title. Here you go. Or Brock Lesnar. You're not even showing up on Raw. I'll take the title. What happened, first of all? What happened to 30 days? The 30-day rule is that's another... This WWE rule book is going to have many revisions to it because they just keep rewriting the rules. Yeah. You have 30 days to defend your title or we strip it of you. Brock hasn't defended this damn title since, since WrestleMania when he won it. Not to mention that. What about 
automatic rematch clauses because Bray Wyatt, the House of Horrors match, was not for the WWE title. He never got his rematch from WrestleMania. That's very true. So anyway, Henry actually cost D'Lo the European title against Jeff Jarrett. He decked him with a guitar. He turned on his best friend because he knew Jarrett would hand him the belt. We're backstage with Mark Henry. He's talking to Lillian. He whispers something in her ear. I imagine that he wants to fuck her. And he gets slapped. We go outside. We see the refs are still picketing. Hell no. We won't go. Sexual Chocolate comes out with some hose. Godfather should be furious because Sexual Chocolate Mark Henry had the exact same gimmick here. Coming out with random ladies. And this is when we learn today's word of the day. Brainurism. Brainurism. Henry gets on the mic and he says, backstage... I'll just include the clip. He got slapped by Lillian, and when he got slapped, something in his head popped. This small interviewer lady. Maybe 110 pounds. Yeah, and she had just started working for the company, by the way. Slapped Mark Henry and somehow made him have a, quote, brainerism. And he says, maybe tomorrow I'll have the match, but not tonight. There is not going to be a European championship match tonight. What? What? Why? What's up, Sexual Chocolate? Girls, hold on a second. Y'all go start the car. I'll be right there. What's the deal? Are they leaving? Apparently so. I don't I don't understand what's going on here. You think D-Lo knows about this? Now, normally, normally I would go on with this thing. But I think I, I got slapped back there. And something in my head just popped. Uh-oh. I think I got a brainerism or something. Brainerism? Brain aneurysm, Mark. That's close. So I'm just going to do this another time. Maybe tomorrow night on Raw. This is the real streak in all of pro wrestling, that this man is still employed by this company. Oh, I agree. Despite yeah. being so limited in the ring. Well, one thing I will say about him is that he can be funny. Yeah. All that, all the on-camera stuff other than wrestling, which is the key to being a wrestler, Yeah, he's very good at that. And he's funny when he needs to be, and that, that thing a few years ago when he, he fakes his retirement in the ring, and he even can cry yeah, on command. Yeah, he cried on command, yeah. I mean, this guy is brilliant when he's not wrestling. But for some reason, has been employed as a wrestler for, I mean, now we're going on over 20 years. I mean, that is insane. I just think back to him flipping the Jeep over and cars, and especially when he pulled those two 18-wheelers. The man is, he he's a beast. I mean, he's... This, but he's so slow in the ring, though. He is. Just, you know, but I to tell you the truth, with a man with strength like that and capabilities like that, I'd still keep him. For the price they paid the first 10 years, I wouldn't have kept him, but he's good He's good at some things. Just yeah. not the main thing you need to be good at. Now, D'Lo is out next. Without a chest protector, we are in the chest protectorless era of D'Lo Brown. Before they get into the ring, they exchange shots in the in the aisle way. We get in the ring, and we reveal that Tom Pritchard is our scab ref for this Dr. match. Dr. Tom. He's the leader of the scab refs. Yeah, he's the head scab. D'Lo hits a sky-high sit-out spine buster on Mark Henry, and it looked like he had to do something some lifting of Mark Henry to make this happen. This was very impressive. It was, yes. To be able to pick that man up is is a feat of strength. D'Lo lands an elbow for a two count. Mark Henry botches, crotching himself on the ropes, and then has to roll out of the ring. Then D'Lo hits a suicide dive to Henry outside. D'Lo then lands a crossbody off the top rope for two when they get back in the ring. Henry press slams D'Lo for two. Henry botches a slam, and then they just repeat the spot and lands it, and then gets a leg drop and gets a two count on, on D'Lo. Henry 
Henry awkwardly back suplexes D'Lo off the turnbuckle and nearly drops D'Lo on his neck, which is something that D'Lo would be doing a couple weeks later to Darren Drawstock. Oh. I mean, after that, D'Lo was pretty much done. I mean, you can't, you'll never have confidence in him again. Sort of like Owen after breaking Austin's neck. It's like, you can't push this guy as a top guy. Henry is just moving around so slow in the ring. Henry mounted D'Lo in the corner for punches, but D'Lo power bombs him. Well, he was on the second rope, so it wasn't that impressive. He hits the lowdown mm-hmm. and gets the win and his beloved European title back, which, I mean, that is the one thing about the European title I know is that D'Lo Brown and the European, they go hand in hand. Yeah, when you think of the European title, you think of uh, of D'Lo, you think of Goldust. Those are the two that come to my mind. Well, I remember Bulldog winning it originally yeah, against and Owen. Bulldog. Yeah, so when they do, when they finally do, uh, like, a, a, when they do another European tournament instead of a UK tournament, it should be the D'Lo Brown European tournament. There Just like the, the women's tournament is going to be named after Mae Young coming yes, up. Yes, so that is true. There should be a trophy of D'Lo Brown and his chest protector awarded to the winner. Michael Cole is backstage with the APA. Bradshaw brags about sending public enemy packing. Oh. Farouk says, no way the Dudleys are a match for the Acolytes. They're just in from ECW. We get distracted because the locker room is beating up Chaz. I believe this was Mosh of the Headbangers. Yes. They're beating him up. They're accusing him of beating his girlfriend, so they're going to beat him up. Farouk and Bradshaw, many people believe the Acolytes have met their match with the Dudley Boys. There's a lot of people hoping that we've met our match. You know, we sent one team packing from ECW. Tonight, we're going to destroy these two boys. Now let me take a guess when you say met our matches because one is black and the other is white. Now that's where the match begins and that's where it ends. And once and for all tonight in front of millions of people, they're going to see that their punk ass is in no way a match for the acolyte. Uh-oh, look at this. What's going on? I think that's Chaz. I, mean, I can't tell. Come on, come on. I can't tell who it is, but somebody think it's Chaz already. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. You're right. It's Chaz. Nobody wants you here. Leave. What the hell's going on? Man, allegations of beating his girlfriend, Mariana, has made Chaz a very un... Wait, they're only allegations, JR. I know that. He's being ostracized. Deborah, in the past, you and Jeff have had your differences, but now it looks like your business relationship is over. No, I definitely did. We have had our differences in the past. But I tell you one thing, the first time Jeff Jarrett laid his hands on me was the last time. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Deborah, is that a threat? Are you trying to threaten me? Are you trying to tell me a woman is going to hit a man? I don't think so. Deborah, stay out of my damn business tonight. Let's go, Kitty. Now, we go from a woman beater angle to a woman beater angle. Yes. Now, the locker room was very offended by Chaz beating women, but apparently we're okay no, with... No, we're okay if it's Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. That's J E double F J A double R E double T. That's double J. Jeff Jarrett. Ain't yeah. he great? Jarrett is backstage with Lillian and Miss Kitty and Deborah, and he threatens to beat Deborah up if she interferes in this match. He says, "Come on, Miss Kitty, let's go." They walk out. He's going to be defending his IC belt against China. What is notable about this match is, of course, it's Harvey Whippleman is the worst referee on God's freaking green earth, even for a scab ref. 
This is, is bad. This match is important because, as I mentioned, Vince Russo was leaving the company. He's good yes. friends with Jeff Jarrett. They knew when Jeff's contract expired, which would be next month, the day before the next pay-per-view. No mercy. So Vince Russo, as his last act as Booker, decides, you know what? Let's not give China the belt here. Let's give it to her at the next pay-per-view. So then Jeff will leave this match with the belt. That then allows Jeff to hold up Vince McMahon because his contract expired the day before No Mercy and they need the belt. They don't want him to take the belt to WCW and throw it in the garbage or do whatever. Right. Need to get the belt off this guy. So Vince gave him what has always been rumored to be like quarter million dollars to wrestle without a contract for one night to drop this belt to China. Then of course when WCW got purchased by WWF they made it a point not to hire Jarrett. So then Jarrett basically used the money that he got to To start start TNA. So everything, <laughs> this is the birth of TNA basically happening in this and the next month's match with China. So China's out next. She's still coming out to Triple H's My Time theme. I love that. I do too, and he hated it. That is, that is without a doubt his best entrance music ever. And he refuses to use it ever. Is it because of her? Is that no, I really, think he just hated he the just song. He just hated the song. China low blows Jarrett in front of Whippleman. As he's coming off the turnbuckle with a smash, but no DQ gets called, Patrick. No. This ref is terrible. Jarrett rams China crotch first into the turnbuckle, and she sells it because I guess she's a man, I guess is what they're trying to imply. I guess. I don't know. However, I do have a question. When was the last referee you saw wear glasses in the ring? I don't think you see refs wear glasses in any sport because they know eventually people, I mean, they know people are going to immediately say, oh, this guy's wearing glasses. They can't see shit. Jarrett lands a top rope crossbody for a two count. China did a sloppy flare flip over the ropes and then hits Jarrett with a clothesline. Jarrett superplexes China for a two count. China electric chairs. Jarrett. Then Jarrett puts China in a sleeper. China hits a sit-out powerbomb for two. China kicks Jarrett out of a figure four attempt, and then she goes, China kicking him out of this figure four makes him go sailing over the ropes, and he has to take a step between the ropes and this figure four. Like, it's very... I know wrestling is not exactly legit, but it looks very... He sold her power to be like it was... He made her look good. Lou Ferrigno, yeah. China goes outside with Jarrett and smacks Jarrett directly in the head with a chair and then throws his head into it. With Harvey standing right there watching. And he just lets it go. No problem. They go in the ring. China attempts a pedigree, but Jarrett catapults China into Whippleman, so he takes a rough bump. Then Miss Kitty hands Jarrett his trusty guitar, which makes me think of uh, Mike Graham and WC that broke a thousand guitars, didn't draw a dime. <laughs> Camera catches Moolah and Mae Young sitting ringside, and they decide, you know what, we're not going to stand for this. They run into the ring, and they punch Jarrett, and the crowd goes apeshit for yes. Moolah and Mae Young here. They hit a stereo suplex on Jarrett before Jarrett double clotheslines these grandmothers, and then Jerry Lawler loses his mind laughing because he finds this to be one of the funniest things he's ever seen, is Moolah and Mae Young getting clotheslined by well, Remotely funny. Oh, look at that. What a cheap, no good. They brought it on themselves, JR. They should have stopped. Jared is lower than whale manure. They should have stayed there. That is absolutely repulsive. The fact that Moolah and Mae Young hit a double suplex on Jeff Jarrett is impressive as hell. And then for them to take that bu- the bumps that they took on that double clothesline, it was very impressive. Deborah runs down and disposes of Miss Kitty. China 
Still selling that slingshot. Hit the hit Whippleman. I mean, she was down for like two or three minutes from yeah. this vicious slingshot. Deborah takes the guitar and decks Jeff Jarrett. China covers Jeff Jarrett. One, two, three. Patrick, we have a brand new intercontinental champion, and it's a woman. But wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh oh, head scab Tom Pritchard. Tom Pritchard comes out, forces Harvey to look up at the on screen, the big jumbotron, and he sees Deborah hitting double J. They have a challenge, a replay review here. Yeah. And of course, Whippleman reverses the decision. Now, here's where I have a question. <laughs> saw a low blow. You saw a chair shot. You saw all this, but yet the one time you don't see... That's the problem. That's the problem? Very Harvey bad. Whippleman is the worst fucking referee on God's green earth. China, not pleased with this decision, decides to beat up Tom Pritchard and pedigrees him. So there you go. Yeah. We will meet again. Jeff Jarrett in China. Earlier on Heat, Cole asked Stone Cold Steve Austin, what's going to happen tonight? Is there going to be a new champion? And Stone Cold says, uh, yeah, of course there will be. Hell yeah, there will be. The fresh into WWF Dudley Boys are here. Now this was, yes, the Dudley Boys with a S instead of a Z before yes. they had their WWF transformations. ECW on TNN had just started like the month earlier. Correct. So one of the first... ECW on TNNs that I remember watching. I'd never seen ECW. Like, ECW was very hard to come by in Chattanooga, Tennessee, as far as watching it. Yeah, when I watched it, it was strictly through tape trading. Yeah, that's the only way you could really get it. The The syndicated show was... I saw it once or twice on TV here, the syndicated show, but it was very rare. Yeah. So I'm tuning into ECW... Like towards the end of the show, because I forgot when it was on or it was just flipping channels. I see these two guys in the ring in ECW on TNN, and they say they're cutting a promo on the ECW crowd and the ECW wrestlers, and they have the belts. Yeah. And they're saying, we're going to go to WWF and we're going to be tag team champions. No, no the fuck you're not. Yeah. Not you two guys. Yeah. You two guys look like losers. Yeah. And then, of course, that same episode is when I think Dreamer and Raven beat them for the tag team titles to my surprise because i'm used to wrestlers when they when they say shit like that when they say we're leaving or we're doing that I, it never works out most of the time they right. never actually it's leave all bullshit yeah and sure enough these guys show up on raw or whatever a few weeks later and i'm like holy shit they were right and then they would win the championship not long after and they yeah. were totally right so a rare time when a wrestler cuts a promo and delivers on all of it and would still be wrestling you know up until a couple years ago as the dudley boys make their way out moolah and may are still being helped to the back. These old biddies. We gotta get them to the back. Buh, buh. Buh, 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 buh. Says that Charlotte su- su- sucks. I love stuttering Bubba. <laughs> then Devon does his typical preacher promo and says that the acolyte's ass belongs to the Dudley boys, which that sounds a little bit... That's right, it does. ...fetish type thing, that your ass belongs to me. Thou shalt not mess with the Dudleys. Then the acolytes come out who are... This is pre-APA, because the Ministry of Darkness had just folded, so they're just sort of lost. Yeah, this is the acolytes on their own, This is acolytes with that shit written on their chest. (laughs) The acolytes come out and everybody brawls. Jimmy Corderas, an actual ref... Has crossed the picket line. What an asshole. This guy, he'd be getting decked. (laughs) Can't believe it. Bubba lands a second rope senton bomb to Bradshaw for a two count. Bradshaw misses a clothesline from hell and Bubba belly to bellies him. Devon tags in, lands a swinging neckbreaker for two. Bradshaw slows him down with a fallaway slam and tags in Farouk. The Dudleys hit their alternate 3D. The one where it's from the back. It's a belly to back and then they just grab the... 
It's a belly to back suplex, and they just grab the the head. I, I don't like it. I and Bradshaw kicks out at two. By the way, since this pay per view is taking place in Charlotte and not in Philadelphia, the crowd do not know who these two people are. No, at all. No, or any of their not moves or anything else about them. Yeah, no. Devon hits the flying headbutt on Bradshaw for a two count. Devon gets crotched on the turnbuckle, and Bradshaw super back suplexes Devon off the top rope. Then we get the 3D to Farouk, and a clothesline from hell to Bubba. Then out of nowhere, Stevie Richards, another ECW scab, comes in. He's wearing the UPN logo. Yes. Is written on his chest. Yes. He, he wants to be the third member of the Acolytes. He is dressed like the Acolytes, but his drawing on his chest is the UPN logo. Which is like a circle, a triangle, and a square. And it actually wrote in there UPN. So Stevie comes in and turns on his ECW friend, super kicks Devon, and the Acolytes get the win. This is the first Dudley's pay-per-view, and they lose in their first, their pay-per-view debut in the Fed. Yeah, I just don't think that team's going to make it. No, they're losers. Farouk then, of course, even though they won, they, you know, the Acolytes need more heat, so he hits a dominator to Stevie, uh, because Farouk and Bradshaw don't want Stevie in their group. No. And then Bradshaw power bombs him. There you go. Here's your match of the night, Patrick, before the real main event. Luna and Ivory. Oh, man. They are going to have a hardcore match for the women's title in the backstage area, entirely. Yeah, no, they were trying to come out. Ivory, or I mean, they decided, yeah, they couldn't wait. Luna was walking to the ring, and Ivory just said, Screw it. I see her. I'm jumping her. And so that's what happened. Notables here Ivory chucks a cooler full of ice and water and drinks at Luna. Luna takes Ivory's face and scans it in the copying machine. Luna hops on top of a forklift and splashes Ivory, who she had laid on some boxes. Tori, the original Tori, not Tori Wilson, shows up in a tiger print suit and attacks Ivory, but gets punched in her face for trouble. Ivory hits Luna with a pole and gets the three. What was this? That was your women's title match. (laughs) Women's revolution. Yes. Well underway here. The crowd must have all gotten up and gone to the bathroom because he, the Titan Tron wasn't that big. I doubt the Charlotte Coliseum had a giant one in the middle. Right. I imagine this crowd, I don't even, I doubt they even put this on the Titan Tron. They probably just said, we're taking a five minute intermission. What the fuck? Yeah. That happened. I don't know why. Lillian, who's with Mula and Mae Young, Ivory interrupts them and Mae Young and Mula beat the women's champion. This they is. They beat her down. Yes. This is the buildup for Mula to win the women's title once again. Wow. That's the state of things. That's where we're at in 1999. Time for the tag title match. Edge and Christian do their old enter through the crowd entrance, the Roman Reigns entrance. The New Age Outlaws have just reformed. They're the tag champs, and they're out next. You know what was odd here is because the New Age Outlaws were the champ. They had to come out second. Road Dog has to do his whole... Spiel. Isn't it nice that Edge and Christian just stood around on the outside and let him do that? Yeah. And I mean, let Billy Gunn say his line, too. They just sat there, even though they could just get the jump on him. This is, of course, at the end of Billy Gunn's singles push had come to an end. He had. Yeah, this is after he'd won King of the Ring, and they're like, oh, he's going to be great. He's going to. No. Shit. This is, I mean, every every pay per view, JR, he's the best purest athlete in all of the WWF. Which may have some merit. Yeah, and it didn't work out. And now no. he's back teaming with Road Dog, And this is after Road Dog's push as the hardcore champion. So both of these guys, just out of their singles run, we don't know what to do with you. DX isn't even together anymore. Put them back together. Tag up. Yeah. But he still had one more singles run left in him to become the one Billy Gunn. They hadn't totally abandoned him yet. Jimmy Corderas is still the ref for this match. So he's going to have to ref 
Well, there was a match in between, I guess, the women's match, but he's yes. refing back-to-back matches. This match, quite the build. It was announced on Heat. Billy Gunn back suplexes Edge on his head before tagging in Road Dog. The Outlaws hit a double sledge on Christian, who tagged in. Billy Gunn military presses Christian and drops him on Road Dog's knee. Billy Gunn is jacked right now, by the way. Oh, this- yeah. There was a lot of competition for who was the roidiest on this show. Yeah. Then Road Dog hits his shake, rattle, and roll punches and knee drops Edge. Okay, and then Road Dog covers him for a two count before Christian breaks it up. Billy Gunn tries to get a clap going. That's go Road Dog or whatever and the crowd just wasn't happening. No. The crowd weren't. was totally checked out of this match. Edge and Christian hit a double-team sidewalk slam and inverted DDT combination to Road Dog. Christian tries a whisper in the wind, but Road Dog counters it with a punch. Road Dog counters an Edge suplex with a DDT. Mr. Ass gets the hot tag and cleans house. Road Dog tries a pump handle slam on Christian. You know, the one where he simulates yeah. doing something to backside. But it gets broken up because the Hardy Boys interfere. The beginning of, well, not the beginning, because the, the new brood was still angry at the old brood and so the hardy boys interfere and snatch christian right out of the ring edge spears road dog then jeff hardy drop kicks edge off the top turnbuckle and he walks into a famouser and the new age outlaws retain a match that happened the british bulldog had refed a bull rope match on smackdown and turned on the rock Yes. In a match versus Triple H, so they're working together. Lillian is backstage with Triple H and the Bulldog, and Triple H says he's going to win tonight. Bulldog, last Thursday night, you shocked the world on SmackDown when you tilted the odds and you assaulted The Rock. I didn't assault The Rock. The Rock is getting a little bit too cocky in the World Wrestling Federation. and needed to be brought down, and I was the man to do it, and I did it. Well, Triple H, it looks like you guys have some kind of relationship. What exactly is it? Don't you worry about our relationship. Fact of the matter is, in this game, you get the job done any way you can. Bulldog's gonna go out there and he's gonna do his job, and I'm gonna do mine. And when it's finished, I will leave the ring the WWF champion. Now it's time for our real main event of the evening. This is the most historic match. All in the Hell in a Cell matches, definitely. Oh, in wrestling in general. I mean, this this is better than Steamboat and Savage. This is better than... Brett Shaw and Iron Man. Yeah. I mean, this is, without a doubt... The this most. is Omega Okada. This is everything. Oh, yeah. This is this is it. Cole is with Boss Man. Do you regret killing Pepper? What Boss kind Man- of stupid question is that? Boss Man says, you ask me again and I'm going to stick my nightstick up your ass. I hope he's talking about his actual nightstick. <laughs> he says, tonight will be a night nobody will forget, especially Al Snow. How right Boss Man was. Boss Man, it's come down to this. A kennel from hell match, and I bet you're regretting what you did to Pepper. I don't regret a damn thing I do. I tell you what, you're the one that's going to be regretting something. If you ask me another question like that, I'm going to shove this nightstick right up your ass. You got that? Oh. See, I spent my whole adult life dealing with people inside of cages. And tonight will be no different. Whether there's dogs there or not, this night's going to be a night nobody's going to uh, forget, especially Al Snow. Another wrestler that delivered on his promise. The Hell in a Cell with that ominous music dun, 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 is lowered from the ceiling. And the crew is in the ring building that old school 80s style blue WWF cage. I miss this cage. Why do you miss this cage? I love this cage. I like the uh, chain link better. Really? Why? Yeah. It has some give to it, even though I know that wouldn't technically aid, you know, 
hurting somebody, but I like seeing them bounce into the the chain link or like grading their face. But it's the better blue, to, the blue one. There's it's so stiff. Yeah, like when they hit it, you know that shit hurt. You know, and I I think it helps signify the difference between like the hell in the cell and the cage match. I, I I think I still lean to the chain link, but the blue fin. I mean, it they're both good. I mean, I, I have no problems with the old blue steel cage. Patrick, the object of this match is to escape from both of these cages. Correct. Without getting eaten alive by the d- ravenous dogs. Yes. Without getting eaten alive by those Rottweilers who are have been starved probably for years. Yeah. They hate humans. Foaming at the mouth. I mean, these, these Rottweilers are, are very vicious. They're thirsty for blood. Yes. Al Snow is with Lillian. He says, Boss Man is a fat, worthless son of a bitch. And tonight, he's doing it for Pepper. Now, this all started with Pepper, and now tonight it's going to end with a kettle from hell match. Tonight, Boss Man, for everything you've done to Pepper, for the memory of Pepper, I'm going to be all over your fat, donut-eating ass like a one-man crime spree. You fat, worthless son of a bitch! Al Snow is out first. Now, you would think this is a, a huge match. You want to look your best in your biggest featured match ever. Yeah. What does Al Snow come out in? He's wearing a shirt that is airbrush painted with Pepper on it. And what is Pepper saying? Pepper's saying, I love head. Instead of wearing his, of course, tights, he's in fucking blue jeans. So he is coming. He's not even dressed for work. Oh, he's he's dressed all right. He's ready to kick some ass. This isn't wrestling. This is a fight, damn it. Boss Man has to walk out very, very, very slowly because this ring crew had to still was still assembling the blue cage. Yeah. Undertaker would beat him to the ring if they were to start at the same point. That's how slow Boss Man was walking to the cage. What I want to know is what the hell happened to his eye? Boss Man had a very bad year in the Hell in a Cell. Yes, he did. Let's see. We'll go back <laughs> to the first weekend in April. and <laughs> A little event. A little event. A house show. A little, yeah, a little small event that nobody really remembers that's called WrestleMania where... Unfortunately, <laughs> after losing the match to The Undertaker, just miraculously by some weird thing, he is hung there live. He was lynched. He was lynched in the ring in front of a live crowd <laughs> and miraculously walks out on Raw the very next night completely okay. It's sort of like uh, Halloween Havoc 95, the big show falls off Kobo Hall after the monster truck match. Yes. And walk back to the ring the same night. Yes. Totally unscathed. That might be why the boss man is walking so slowly to the ring is because... He's thinking, I'm going to get lynched again. Yeah, this is not a good place for me. No. I often get these two matches confused because I just remember boss man was in the hell in a cell at some point and bad things always happened to him. Yeah, he only had two and (laughs) they were probably the worst ones of his career. It's funny that they would give him a second one in the same year. Yes. When they saw how bad, I mean, and he was working with The Undertaker. Yes. And that was a bad match. And they were like, you know what? The One only more. thing that the only thing anybody remembers about that Hell in the Cell is, is the fact the, that he was hung, he was lynched in front of a live crowd on TV. Al Snow and Boss Man, they're still building the cage. So they have to brawl on the outside of the interior cage. They're both inside the Hell in a Cell, but on the outside. The dogs have not even shown up yet. No. Cue the dogs. 
That's right. These bloodthirsty hounds. Here they come ripping down the ramp. They're out of control. Hopefully, JR and King are well protected. Oh, no, they're not, Patrick. They're on leashes. Yes. With handlers. Yes. And they're puppies. <laughs> they're not even full blown Rottweilers. And one of them, on the way to the ring, gets so happy and excited, he pees all over the place. Well, he's marking his territory. Yeah. There's going to be. Right there at the doorway, too. So when you exit this hell in a cell, you're going to step in his pee. So the Rottweilers are on their leashes, and one of the handlers sort of walks near Big Boss Man. And the very the very sight of this dog causes Boss Man to climb the blue cage. Yes. So they actually get in the ring. The dogs start barking, so they do show some aggression, because they're barking at each other. Yes. And that and the handler is down there with the back end of the leash shaking it back and forth just to get him to act like they're wild and crazy or they would just be sitting there jim ross on commentary blames al snow for the idea for this match he says it was all al snow's fault it was this uh, this match actually this was. was vince this is vince and jim ross's ear saying blame it on him pass yeah. the buck but this means vince signed off on this yes we'll get We'll get into the aftermath of this. We'll get into our opinions of this match afterwards. There's some plunder in the ring. I don't know how the plunder got there. Did you see how the plunder ended up in yes. the ring? Al, Al Snow took it in there with him. Okay, Al Snow brought some plunder. Boss Man hits him with a stick, and Al Snow does color in this match. Al yes. Snow blades. Al Snow blades in this match. After he decks Snow with some plunder, he decides, you know what? Getting the fuck out of here. Climbs the blue cage. Brought pliers, man. He is going to cut through... He's going to do damage to our expensive Hell in a Cell. He's going to cut through the top of it. Yes. And try to escape that way. I would rather be on top of it than being hung by the top of it. Just saying. Al Snow stops him with a stick. Boss Man, well, he came with some plunder, too. He brought freedom powder, and he's going to fling it into Snow's face, but Snow stops him, and Boss Man gets powdered. What is freedom powder? It's a, it's just like what happened to Jack Tunney. What exactly is it? Where did it go? We'll never know. It's just Where do a you mis- buy it? How do you get it on the airplane now? That's right. Oh, that's just my bag of freedom powder. I'm sorry, I need that. That's my that's my that's for my yeast infection. Good one. <laughs> Boss Man then gets hit with a stick from Al Snow, and now he blades. They have done no work in this match. No, they ain't done shit. Snow didn't bother bringing the whole shovel, just the shovel head. Yeah, the, a snow shovel. Not a regular, a oh, snow I shovel. It. I get it, because he's Al Snow. Yeah. So Snow... With a snow shovel head. Wax Boss Man like three or four times with it. Not One s- of them over the head, though. One of them straight square over the head, and it looked like it hurt like hell. Snow then grabs Boss Man's limp hand <laughs> and hangs it out of the blue cage. You're getting bite him, bite him, bite him, and the dogs are like, what? Now, granted, also, the dogs are about seven feet down, you know, from where this hand is sticking out. This, yeah. It's sticking out of the ring, which is elevated. I mean, rings aren't just on ground level. Yeah, no, rings are about four, four and a half feet. So add a few more feet for him being boss man's on his knees or whatever. And it's about five feet. And there's a cage separating the dogs and boss man's hand. And it's elevated. There are so many reasons this is not going to work. So nothing happens. I think they really were wanting the dogs to like a attack him in some way they, they just these dogs didn't give a shit so then boss man gets the shovel and whacks snow with it boss man doesn't know what to do at this point and he looks around the ring a lot like what the fuck am i supposed to do now so then boss man he brought his handcuffs to the ring too handcuffs al snow to the turnbuckle goes back to trying to escape through the top of the cage al snow not brock lesnar not no. a giant man just musters i guess he got you know the spirit of he, pepper he got the power of pepper pepper power pepper power run 
running deep inside of him. Breaks his handcuffs and chases Boss Man down and crotches him on the ring ropes. Al Snow then goes back to the bag of plunder, pulls out Head, who had been missing for a while. What? This is a Head's big return. Yes. And smacks Boss Man with Head. Boss Man wakes back up eventually, decks Al Snow, and goes right back to trying to get out the top of the cell. Meanwhile, Al Snow tries to get out the door. To get out of the door, he climbs over the blue cell. Right. But he doesn't want to get on the ground level. He doesn't want to be near those dogs. So he jumps over to the chain link uh, cell. That's right. And the door, Patrick, the door wasn't even locked. No, he kicks it open. And it just swings open. It swings open. He hops down into the dog piss, slips, falls back into the dog, but gets up and runs back out. And the dog's like, hey, you going to play with me? What's up? And you're a winner and hardcore champion. Still. Hardcore champ. Awesome. This match took 11:25, so then Boss Man has to get out too, Patrick. Yeah. So Boss Man hops down and he just runs out of the cage. The the the, the icing, the cherry on this shit Sunday. As Boss Man is running up the ramp, the dog handlers are chasing after him for whatever reason. Yeah. I mean, they didn't have an obligation to chase no. Boss Man, oh. but as they're chasing him, the biggest fattest handler of the dogs falls on his dog. <laughs> Falls on his dog, trips over the leash, falls on his dog, and then his ass, his ass crack hangs out of his pants. Yes. And that is how this match ended. Yes. That is the last thing you see from this match. This is a beer six brawl. This is a slobber knocker. Five star classic. Five star classic. This is Bruno versus Bob Backlund. I mean, this is right up there. Ric Flair could not top this match in his best day. Well, let's get into... I know it's still a great match, a 10-star classic, really. But I do have a couple of couple of problems with it. I Just minor things, just minor, minor things. things. Okay, all right. Okay, now, what was the purpose of the blue cage? <laughs> to keep the dogs from being able to get into them. But the ring's elevated, and the dogs were with handlers. I understand the purpose of the blue cage. The blue cage is to... You have to escape one cage, fight your way out of that one, then fight your way through the dogs to escape the, the other cage. That was the plan. I just don't think the blue cage needed to be there at all. Well, then you'd have dogs jumping in the ring. Not with the handlers. With the steps right there, they would. No, I don't think. I think it would have been fine. My second problem with the match, this is probably the biggest problem with the match, I'd say. We talked about there's no such thing as a, as a bad gimmick idea because it's all in how you execute the gimmick. Well, you know the one thing? The absolute one thing in a wrestling match that you can, can always save a wrestling match. Okay. This is going to shock wrestling. Wow. You can have the dumbest gimmick in the world. You can have dogs outside that have handlers that are pissing on the steps. You can have cages that don't make sense. But if those, if Al Snow and Big Boss Man, when they got into the ring, realized, dude, we are fucked. <laughs> unless we put on a great wrestling match. Yeah. If these two guys, by the way, the motivation for the match was that Al Snow's dog, his, his best friend, man's best friend. Yes. Some people, their dog is family. If yes. you killed my dog, Patrick, I would be very, very angry. Exactly. And I would want to tear you from limb to limb. Exactly. If he had gone into the match, if they had had that, a brawl, an absolute brawl in that cage, even with the dogs pissing off the steps and being totally, you could leave them behind yeah. as a viewer and say, man, this is a really fucking good match. These two guys just did not want to work. And I think they had a lot of pressure on them because I'm sure all the bookers and stuff were like, oh, incorporate the dogs. Get the, You gotta work the dogs in the match or whatever. Yeah. So meanwhile, they're so concerned with that that they forgot, oh, we should wrestle. We should do some... We actually need to wrestle, yeah. Had they done that, the match was not going to be a classic because of the dogs and the circumstances with the dogs. But 
If they had put on a great wrestling match, you could have said, well, that wasn't so bad. But Patrick, that's the one thing. No matter what gimmick match it is, if you're in a good housekeeping match next month, China and Jarrett, if you put on a great match, Judy Bagwell on a pole, if Buff Bagwell had had a classic match, you'd say, well, yeah, it was Judy Bagwell on a pole, but it was a great match. They dropped the ball, and they know better. Both of these guys know better. That is true, because one of the best guys to learn from in the business is Al Snow. Now, what what are your uh, thoughts on the match, Patrick? I understand the, the both cage. It adds to the match. However, these were not full-grown Rottweilers. These were still puppies. Right. And if you're going to do this, you need to have and incorporate real bloodthirsty Rottweilers. I'm talking about go into some underground dog fighting place. Call Michael Vick. Call Michael Vick, yeah. And say, hey, dude, I need, you know... And they can still have handlers, but put like one on each corner and one in the middle and literally make these guys. Somebody needs to get bit by a dog to make this believe like, holy shit, these dogs are, you know, and nobody did. Well, anytime you incorporate animals, there's, you know, you have groups like PETA and you have animal rights activists and you have to be very careful about how you use animals in anything. That's why Barnum and Bailey just went out of business is because they could no longer do what they had done. Oh yeah, I don't know how PETA got, how they got past PETA on this. They got past them doing what they did and not having what you're talking about having dogs, vicious dogs. And also there's liability issues with dogs biting people and they had a snake bite somebody and that snake died. The the cobra died that bit Macho Man that time they did that. Bit. Really? Later on it died, yeah. Why? I mean, Just because of I forget why exactly, but like was there something wrong with it? Was it an actual I'm I don't cur- rem- I'm curious now. <laughs> I don't remember why the snake died, but well that was an animal angle done right. I mean right. but you can't Because you had an animal bite and bring blood. You got to have to savor this match, you've gotta have a dog bite boss man on the forearm and bring blood. Period. That is the only way this match is going to accomplish. Yes. Yeah. It could be the shittiest match in the entire world. Had a dog got invested and angry enough to bite boss man just one time, it would have saved this match. And it's it's probably pretty difficult to actually get a dog to bite someone on command. Like those dogs that like police training dogs and stuff, they go through months and months of training with these dogs to make them do that. And so I imagine they're also pretty expensive to get. Right. And, and also, right. they could really hurt somebody, too. If they were to actually, like, a police a police dog, when it bites you, it's going to shake your leg. It's going to, like, try to tear you up. Like, yeah. it's not just going to bite, release, and go, on, go along its way or whatever. So, you're also getting into... That's why I feel like it should have been police dogs and had police out there. But then that would give the edge to Boss Man, a police up. <laughs> See, may, then you'd have to have Al Snow lose because Boss Man... Manipulate, like paid off the the dog handlers, or yeah. or knows how to train. Like maybe the dog starts attacking Boss Man, and then he's like, "Stop!" and it just stops. Yeah, and then it go, and then he sicks it on Al Snow. I'm just saying, you've got to if you're going to incorporate dogs in a match, you've got to have a dog attack. Now this takes me back to WCW in '99. Yeah, Sting. When they incorporated dog 
attacking Sting. Now, that was a Rottweiler as well. That was a big fucking Rottweiler. That was a full-grown, not a puppy like this. That was a vicious Rottweiler to the point that they could not take it ringside it was a for liability issues. They did it backstage. Yeah, they pre-taped it. And then when he did get bit, he had a towel or something wrapped around his... Around his hand to, yeah. If you Yeah, if you can't do it, then you can't make the match. You can't put yeah. that stipulation in there when you yeah. can't deliver on it. But like I said, even if the dogs had done what they did do, which was nothing, if they had had a decent match in the ring, you could forgive it. You'd still be disappointed. You'd be disappointed, but I would be able to overlook it. This is a historical match in regards to how bad it was. Oh, yeah. Like, we talked about the Thunderdome was a failure. But the Thunderdome wouldn't even make the top 25 of worst gimmick matches. And I mean, WCW and TNA are probably responsible for a lot of them. And the WWF has done many bad gimmick matches. You know, we just saw House of Horrors last month, but as far as like top 10 lists of bad matches, I'd say WWF maybe has one or two, and this is probably one of the two that they have on the list. Like, most of the other ones, King of the Road, Monster Truck Sumo Match, WCW has a lot of the the top spots. I like the Monster truck sumo of course match. you did I, I actually did i thought that was kind of cool and so, the king of the road match was very interesting of course so there there you have it folks i mean we could really just stop there but oh there, yeah there are a couple more matches so we'll, we'll go through them quickly cole's with mankind and he asks how could you follow that match no he doesn't he asks <laughs> how could you go into the six-pack challenge with your best friend the rock and mankind says he'll lay the smacketh down on his candy ass if it comes to it mankind is willing to turn on his best friend the rock the dozens and dozens of mankind's fans up next we have chris jericho and he's going to be accompanied by mr hughes who was with chris jericho a very very short time pretty new to the company here chris jericho and so i for some reason and I guess Vince was like, he's too small. He needs some muscle. You know who Jericho needed was Ralphus. They should have signed Ralphus, too. Oh, I'll, I'll miss Ralphus. Jericho. What was, what was Ralphus's real name? I'm actually quite curious in this. Probably Ralph. Was it? Okay, well, I'm just... I mean... What did he actually do? He was a legit truck driver. I think that part of the story that is, is true. That is, for, that is for real. A legit truck driver slash wrestling fan that they gave him a job. Now we're in a side note about Ralphus. Ralphus started out as a truck driver for WCW. He would haul around the ring equipment. And in 98, he, of course, hooked up with Jericho. After Jericho left, they still used Ralphus some after this because he was in the hardcore title matches with Norman Smiley. He was Norman Smiley's He lackey. was Norman's, yeah, he went with Norman Smiley. Ralphus Retired from wrestling in 2001, sadly, so no Ralphus appearances. When Vince bought the company, probably. Is he, what does he do now? Is he alive still, or is it? I'm trying to find if anyone knows. I can't find out what happened to Ralphus. Ralphus, if you're out there, we miss you, buddy. We do miss you. We'll lobby, I, lobby for Hall of Fame celebrity wing. I really think he should, because Ralphus added to create Chris Jericho's Y2J gimmick. But sadly, yeah, didn't follow him to the WWF. Jericho has an extended entrance as now they have to take down the kennel from hell. Now they have to, and sweep up some piss at the ringside. And I'm sure some dog shit too, because I'm sure a dog. So Jericho takes forever to get to the ring. Then he gets in the ring and he has to pose some more because they're still not, they still have a panel, the blue cage still up. Welcome to Charlotte is Jericho. Jericho says he's here to save Charlotte. King says, wish you would have gotten here during the last match. No. Damn it, you know what we were robbed of? It was originally supposed to be Ken Shamrock instead of X-Pac on this match. 
Really? Ken Shamrock had just left the company. He was feuding with Jericho. Decided he wanted to get back into MMA, so he was written off TV. If he ever does show back up, he's going to have to explain. He's going to have to feud with Curtis Hughes. Mr. Hughes and Ken Shamrock are due to settle their score now 18 years in the making. I'm actually kind of surprised he hasn't been back to the company. I don't understand why. I don't either. And I mean, the first TNA champion here, Ken Shamrock. Uh, yeah. And I mean, because it wasn't, what, a year and a half later? That, it's like 2002. Three years. Uh, three years. So, I mean, obviously he didn't want to stick with MMA that long. He had the buzz to, to well, get back also, into wrestling. I don't know why he didn't. There's all there's so much time in between MMA matches, too. You can work some dates, you know. You well, it's can, like Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley works... You know, for... Uh, Brock Lesnar, yeah. Yeah. JR says the dog days are over as X-Pac comes out to the ring. <laughs> An X-Factor is countered into a Walls of Jericho, which is countered. X-Pac tries a springboard crossbody over the, rope to, over the ropes to Jericho, who's on the outside, and Jericho catches him as he mostly misses, and he saves him from splatting into the ring mats. Mr. Hughes decks X-Pac... Directly in front of Tom Pritchard, who lets it go. More bad refing. They should have paid the refs. They should have settled the strike. Jericho snaps suplexes Pac on the ring mats. The crowd then gets all distracted, and they boo something that's happening in the crowd. Tilt a whirl backbreaker to Pac. Then the crowd cheers. So I have no idea what's going on in the crowd. It's either a drunken fist brawl. Or someone's taking their shirt off. Or, yeah, or a girl's getting really drunken and, you know, and it's showing herself. X-Pac at one point is asking Jericho to look around and see what's going on. The crowd cheered again during a headlock for some reason. (laughs) Then JR makes the excuse that the crowd is trying to get X-Pac back into the match. Good one. That'll never happen. Lion Salt and Jericho mounts for some punches. X-Pac sucks chance that JR sells as let's go X-Pac chance. Then Mr. Hughes decks X-Pac again, this time on the outside of the ring. They get back in the ring. X-Pac lands a spinning heel kick. X-Pac hits a through-the-ropes drop kick and knocks Mr. Hughes out. Then X-Pac hits a springboard clothesline for a two-count. X-Pac goes for the Bronco Buster, but Jericho gets a leg up and kicks him right in the dick, directly in front of Tom Pritchard again. Jericho hits a Centom Bomb off the top rope for a two-count. Double underhook backbreaker to X-Pac. Then X-Pac hits a superplex to Jericho, who has to look at Tom's hand. As he counts to two. He's getting... Patrick, can you not count? I mean, can wrestlers not count when they hear the hand come down? Why do they have to look at your hands? They want to make sure. When you've been in the ring with someone so many times, though, like a lot of guys that get in the ring with me and they've been in there, they know my count. And so they get used to it. And it's it's better. And He doesn't know Tom's pace. He doesn't know Tom's pace. He doesn't know Tom's count. And so Jericho does the double power bomb to X-Pac that he used to do. Jericho is then put into the tree of woe and gets Bronco busted upside down, which is not a good look. But the crowd goes wild. The crowd, people love the Bronco Buster. I've never cared that much for I don't it. understand why. I don't, I don't understand why. Mr. Hughes knocks out Tom Pritchard and then hits X-Pac and they take the boots, Jericho and Hughes, to X-Pac. Then Road Dog runs out to save X-Pac. X-Pac revives and kicks Hughes out of the ring. And there you go. We get a mini DX reunion here as the crowd, as the match is waved off. Jericho then trashes the ring steps on his way out as he's very upset that 
He's mad. He's mad despite his bodyguard actually being the one to first cause interference. This was a good match despite it ending in a fuck finish and having no heat because the crowd was distracted. The six-pack challenge is next. Not the six... Not the X-Pac challenge. We saw the X-Pac challenge. Now we're seeing the six-pack challenge. A promo recaps... Everything that's happened since SummerSlam with the world title. Triple H just missed it by that much at SummerSlam, Patrick, because Austin didn't want a job to Triple H. Nope. Austin only want, could only job to Mankind, who then had to turn around on Raw and job to Triple H. And by the way, Triple H, and I said it before on the Hell in a Cell with Mankind, Mick Foley did more for Triple H than anybody else. Triple H got to destroy Mankind on a nightly basis. Oh, yeah. Sold for, made him look like a superstar. He got him to the main event, basically. Then Triple H lost the belt to Mr. McMahon on an episode of SmackDown. Because he put his hands on Linda. And Vince was a man and stood up and said, you don't touch my wife. Vince then gives up the belt to be reinstated by Austin, who's the authority figure. And there you go. The belt is vacant, so have everybody fight for it in one match. Big Show is out first. The Bulldog. The British Bulldog is back in WWF. We mentioned how he nearly died from breaking his back in WCW earlier that year. And here he is back at work, WWF. Yeah. Crazy. And they acknowledge that he's had back problems throughout the match, too. Yeah, there was a point, anytime he got hit in the back, they, they made mention of it. And he comes out to the worst theme song I've ever heard in pro wrestling. I'll include it here. Big Show is rocking an earring, by the way. Oh, the era of earrings. Back yes. when Austin had an earring, Sean had an earring, Big Show had an earring. Rock. Billy Gunn had a belly button ring at one point. Mankind is out next. Kane, Triple H, and finally The Rock, who gets a massive ovation. But then the special enforcer, Stone Cold Steve Austin's. His ovation is just a little louder. Oh, yeah. Rocks. JR disses Ric Flair by saying he's never heard an ovation in Charlotte quite like this one. By any for any athlete that goes for like Michael Jordan too. Yeah, that's uh wow. Austin, he's not going to hang around ringside like an like Mike Tyson or whatever. He's just gonna sit at the commentary table and drink a beer. He's got it made. He knows how to work. He's got a six pack sitting over there, and he's ready to. Uh, he's going to see if he can get done with the six pack before the six pack challenge is finished. It's his six pack challenge. Yeah. Austin tells timekeeper Mark Eaton, "Ring the damn bell," <laughs> and he sits down. And he says, and give me some beer, too. The six-pack challenge, by the way, is not like a fatal four-way or a fatal five-way. It's a tag singles match, basically. Correct. Two men in the ring and the other four on the outside. Problem with this match, Patrick, why would you ever tag anyone else in the match? That's why you had so many guys tagging their cells in. I'm, yeah, but still. this. I agree with you. It would have been chaos if they were all just brawling but and first first person to win by pin or submission this is an elimination first fall wins the wrestlers i noted are so patient while each guy takes their turn in the ring at first the first half of this match they're cool with just standing there oh you want in okay i'll tag in you want out yeah i'll tag out okay cool it's fine that we all hate each other let's just hang around kane Big spot here. An insiguri to Big Show. Kane. Man, he was he's a very good big man. Kane doesn't get enough credit for being a great big man. Probably one of the best in-ring big men ever. Yeah, I would put him up there with the likes of, uh, of Bam Bam Bigelow or Vader. Uh, for a bigger man, he's 
able to get off his feet and do tremendous moves. He lands an enziguri on Big Show and then drop kicks Big Show right out of the ring. Rock never gets tagged in for like the first five minutes of the match. Finally gets a tag and the crowd is like, yay. They're just not hot for this match. No. But Austin on commentary is actually really good. I really enjoyed listening to Austin on commentary. He didn't try to play too much of a heel or a face or whatever. He no, just, he just called what he saw. Mankind which. pile drives Kane. Then Mankind and Triple H battle out on the ramp. And like I say, Triple H always got to beat up Mick Foley. And of course, Snap suplexes him on the concrete ramp. Rock runs down and fights for his friend, Mankind, and clotheslines Triple H. They walk and brawl back towards the ring, and Mankind pile drives Triple H onto the steps. But he notices, oh, I gave Triple H a wedgie. And helps Triple H pull the wedgie out of his ass. Yes. <laughs> which Austin sort of laughs at. Mankind gets in the ring and holds Bulldog so Rock can smack him. And I thought Bulldog was going to duck out of the way in that old spot and Rock hit him. But it worked. Well, and he was holding it there for like a good 20, yeah, 30 seconds. Yeah, he was seconds. like calling out he was to Rock. for Rock who's out on the floor beating on Big Show. Then all of a sudden the striking refs have gotten it. Who let these people into the building? They are on strike. Here's what happened. They looked up, and they're going, wait a minute. Jimmy Corderas. Where is Jimmy Corderas? Why is he not out here on the picket line with us? And so then they investigated, and somebody said, oh, he's out there in the ring. What? And somehow got past security, got past John Dodson. Yes. And got it not only in the building. No. They ran right down the ramp. Got two ringside. And so they are all yelling at Jimmy Corderas and... They're very, very upset with Jimmy Corderas. The mic on the camera picks up Mankind calling a spot with Big Show. He says, slam and give me the elbow. And Big Show does. Rock breaks up the cover. Rock goes and brawls on the outside with Triple H, and he notices Stone Cold has a beer. He takes Stone Cold's beer. How dare you? But Stone Cold can't help but laugh and smile when the camera looks at him. For And he tells JR, I don't care what you do out there, but you better leave my beer alone. You right now, I do respect that son of better leave my beer alone. You can't Open up a can of whoop-ass on that little bastard. You're talking about The Rock. I'm damn right I'm talking about The Rock. The it don't matter who I'm talking about. You grab a beer from Stone Cold, hell, I guess he's going to drink a little bit. If you're going to spit it out, that's one thing. He just wants to drink with me. That's cool. Kane tombstones Mankind. Bulldog power slams Kane. Triple H pedigrees Bulldog. Mankind double-arm DDTs Rock. Then he puts on Socko and uses it on his tag team partner, The Rock. Rocky chants break out as Rock battles out of it and Rock bottoms Mankind. Covers Mankind, but Triple H breaks up the pinfall. Big Show gets in the ring, choke slams Mankind. Big Show here, I noted, has is already doing the choke slam on one knee. This guy's knees are fucked. He used to do it on with, both with knees. Both, yeah. The refs this time save the pinfall. They bring Jimmy Corderas out of the ring and beat him up. And Stone Cold realizes, shit, I'm gonna have to go do some work now. So he gets up, he runs around to the other side of the ring, and he clotheslines. Clotheslines Tim White and then just starts decking all these other refs. Yes. Stone Cold brawls with the refs in the yeah, aisle. He beats the shit out of Teddy Long. Earl had escaped the first barrage, but then he tr- Austin tracks down Earl on the ramp, and Earl's like, No, 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 don't hurt me. And Austin's like, No, 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 fuck you, and hits <laughs> him. And then he grabs Tim White and punches him. He whispers something in Tim's ear, but I don't remember what it was. And so then back in the ring, meanwhile. Rock DDT's Triple H. Austin sees it and runs to the ring. Counts. Only gets a two count. A rock bottom to Triple H. Then Rock does the people's elbow to a huge reaction. But Austin only gets a two count before Big Show 
pulls Austin out of the ring for some reason. Bulldog pops in the ring with a chair and smacks Rock in the head with it. This allows Triple H to pedigree the Rock. Stone Cold gets in and counts the three. And there you go. Triple H is your new WWF champion. And of course, Stone Cold not happy with this. Stuns Triple H and then does a uh, celebration and leaves. Yeah. Has him a few more beers and packs up and heads to the next town. So. Teasing their, uh, their rematch that would be happening at uh, No Mercy. No, it wouldn't be No Mercy. It would be, yeah, it would be No Mercy because Survivor Series was the infamous I did it for The Rock when Stone Cold, card subject to change, Patrick, Stone Cold was advertised for the triple threat match at Survivor Series with Rock and Triple H. Didn't reveal to the fans until on the pay-per-view is when... Austin gets hit with the the car. And then who took his place? Mankind. Worse than that. Big Show. Oh, damn. (laughs) That's cold, yeah. The Big Show would win that match. Oh. (laughs) I think that's worthy of a refund. Of course, uh, Austin Triple H had the rematch at No Mercy, and The Rock interfered, which would set up the triple threat. And Triple H retained that night. So, By the way, one thing about Triple H that makes me happy is he never got a clean title win over Austin. So, Never. We can rest easy there. Not for the world title. That's impressive. That is a f- that is a fact I did not know. He did get a win. I mean, no mercy counts as a win. Oh, but. yeah, he got wins over him. He just, it was never cleanly. Well, Patrick, this pay-per-view Man. was shits. It was. It would have been better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would have. Without them pushing the insurrection. You mean rebellion? Or rebellion, sorry. Insurrection's what it changed to later on. The UK rebellion pay-per-view every single match. Well, they it was happening a week later, I think. Yeah, it was happening the very next weekend, but still. people on People in the United States can't see it. Yeah, I think you'd have to wait for it to come out on tape. Yeah. So... Oh, man, this pay-per-view was, was trash. This was right out of the trash bin. Now, most people, you know, when they talk about the Attitude Era, oh, it's so much better. Things were so much better. If they just did things like the Attitude Era, things would be so much better. No. No, that's not true because this pay-per-view proves it. Because I'd say the in-ring quality of even the worst match on a B-show today it's better than Val Venus and Steve Blackman. It's better than Henry and D'Lo. It's better than China Jarrett. It's better than Acolyte Studley's. It's better than Ivory Luna. It's better than everything. It doesn't have the kennel from hell, though. That's it, that's the one redeeming thing on this pay-per-view. Yes. It's the one thing you need to watch the pay-per-view for, because you'll never see another match quite as good or bad as you see it as this match yes. kennel from hell outside of that do not watch this pay-per-view this is not worth your time no. the six-pack challenge even though it was for the title is like it seems like a raw main event it was the only time in the return of bulldog that he got a title match right yeah this was bulldog's one title and he was just thrown in probably because they knew they had that uk pay-per-view coming up that was their way of trying to Sell more pay-per-view buys. He's a guy. I know that they named the the May Young. They named the women's tournament after May Young. Technically, that UK tournament could have been named after Davy Boy Smith. That SummerSlam that happened in England. That was all because of him. Wembley. Yeah. I mean, he was their only British star for many many years. Right. That great match that happened on NXT Takeover between Tyler Bate and Pete Dunne. That wouldn't happen unless British Bulldog had wrestled in the WWF. Yeah, so, very underrated. I don't... He didn't get what he deserved. 
Let's put it that way. He had the look of a superstar, but his his in-ring was... Well, he was better than Luger in the ring. And Luger oh, yeah. was a world champion. But that was in WCW. He was a victim of the era that he wrestled in. Because in Hogan's era... Because you had Hogan, Macho Man, other champions around that time. That were Ric Flair when he came into when he was in the Rumble that year. I don't know Warrior. I mean, you're not going to book yeah. Bulldog over those guys. Yeah. So he was more of a victim of the the other the competition around him. I think if he was in WCW during that time, he absolutely would have been world champ. And also, he had a lot of problems with, of course, drugs and alcohol and human growth hormone and everything else. So. A lot of off-the-field issues, too, with, with uh, Davey Boy Smith. But I'm not going to say underrated, but definitely underutilized. So On the scale. <laughs> Ooh, the Richter scale. Giant Gonzalez to Hornswoggle. Well, this is tough. Because how low can you go? I don't know, because I haven't set the bar with the highest award. Do I want to set the bar with the lowest award? This is tough, Patrick, because this really, I really want to go all the way on the, the low end of the sky. I want to award Hornswoggle, who's, by the way, competing in a tournament. And AW, AIW Wrestling is having a tournament this week. He's in a match with Mordecai. Really? Uh, yeah. So I will, I will award this a Dwayne Gill. This is a Dwayne Gill, a Gilberg. That's what I will give this. That's one. what I was thinking, too. Uh, I will, I will. Due to the women's revolution, I'm going to give this a four foot nine Alexa Bliss. Wow. That is good. So our first our first woman on our on our rating scale. So yeah. I'm gonna Well, get I gave Hoggett number Hoinket number two was on the rating scale. That's first. true. That is true. Hoinket number two was but the our first, first active competitor. So. Yes. Congratulations. What an honor. Of all the That is a huge honor. Of all the awards, of all those championships she's already won, this is this probably is the biggest. Higher up there, yeah. This is an yeah. absolute skip. But watch the Kennel from Hell match. You need to watch it. You Just need, to say you've seen it. You need to see how low things can go. Yes. Don't ever complain about another gimmick match again and say, Oh, this is the worst gimmick match of all No. No, because this actually made the uh the House of Horrors look pretty interesting and pretty enjoyable. <laughs> this made every match ever look pretty interesting. I dare say, Bockwinkle and Dory Funk Jr. was better than this match. <laughs> wow. That is big for you. That is big for me. That's this a move, big step for this you. This moves into the bottom slot. I can't believe these guys bladed in this match. It's so stupid. <laughs> you have a scar. Both of these men carried scars. On their forehead. From this match. Yeah. To remind them how shitty it was. Not only is it on tape to be viewed by the world and now on the network forever and ever, (laughs) but they carried physical scars from this match. So, Patrick. Yes. Sorry about this week. It's all good. Sorry about your damn look. (laughs) Well, next week we'll try harder. Where will we go next week? Next week, we uh, we talked about Owen, so we're going to stick with, uh, with that topic. Next week, we are going to go... Back in time, five years. We're going to go to, right after WrestleMania, the King of the Ring, 1994. A new king will reign. A new king will reign. Maybe it'll be the the King of Hearts, perhaps. Perhaps. We'll see. The King of Hearts will reign supreme next week on the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Well, that does it for this week of the episode number 35. We are now 35 episodes in. I'm intern Alex. I am the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my closing line's a clothesline.
Bingo Bango. Probably your most famous angle in WWE as a wrestler for a lot of fans is the big boss man angle. Oh, with Pepper? Yes. Yeah. And uh, the, the, the Kendall from the yeah, I know. Hell match. Yeah. Um, you want to just briefly go over? I'm glad to because I'll clear that thing up. I've been doing that a lot lately because everybody likes to bring it up because of the fact that Mick made so much fun of it. Here's how this works, okay? Every match has a gimmick. It's a focal point. It's what you build your story around. Understand? Yes. Easy. So that gimmick was about dogs. When I was approached, I swear to God, may strike me dead where I stand. Vince Russo came to me because they had wanted to get rid of the head, which they couldn't because it was so over. And, they, and Vince had seen, Vince Russo had seen the movie Son of Sam where he talked, heard voices from a chihuahua. He wanted to give me a chihuahua, told me the whole thing. I said, great. My exact words, please make sure you have highly trained animals. Why? Well, because the number one rule in entertainment is you don't work with animals or kids. They'll always outshine you, upstage you, or they'll screw up the whole scene. So, and especially important, never work with animals or kids. <laughs> so, verbatim, the Chihuahua, highly trained, so that I could interact with it, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. Okay, show up to TV next week. There's a Chihuahua. There's a lady sitting with a Chihuahua. Oh, you're his trainer? No, I'm his owner. Oh, they called a veterinarian clinic in Detroit and got a list of names with the people that owned a chihuahua. That's it. Immediately go to Vince Russo. I swear to you, as I stand, went to Vince Russo. You understand, I said trained animals. Oh, we'll get, we'll, it's just the chihuahua will be fine. When we get to this thing with these dogs, we have to have trained animals. Do you understand, Vince? Now, I forget exactly how long, how many months this storyline went, but it went for a long time. Do you know how many times I reiterated that we needed trained animals? Awesome. Numerous times that we needed trained animals. Numerous times that we needed trained animals. That we needed highly trained animals from the same kennel that could be led by one or two people verbally who stood outside the cage. I cannot emphasize that enough. I show up in Charlotte, notice that there are seven or eight dogs with seven or eight different people. Walk around, one has some obedience training. Now you have to understand the entire match, the entire angle is built around the focal point being these dogs. How can you use these dogs? What can you do with these dogs? Please explain to me. Because I would like to hear somebody tell me what they expect you to do with them when they're out there urinating, defecating, and fornicating so much they couldn't even show them on TV. When the gimmick of the match is that you're inside a cage that's inside a cell that has, like sharks, surrounding it, dogs that you now need to get through and out of the other side and you can't even interact with the dogs. Curious. <laughs> but now it's become a joke, and it's now all my responsibility, even though I had no control over the fact 
Whose responsibility would you put that on? Obviously, it was the company's. The company, yeah. It's, it's not mine. I, I would, if they'd have told me go find it, train dogs, what do you think I'd have done? You would have done it. I would have made sure that I found trained dogs that were highly trained with one person because every time I went and spoke to Russo, I said that. Vince McMahon himself actually apologized to me for putting me in that situation. So now I get people to ask me about that all the time because it's such a joke when I had nothing to do with it. Now granted, I again, you in this, the number one rule in wrestling is you have to take shit and make Shinola. So it was my responsibility to try to make the best match I could in spite of the fact that we couldn't even utilize the dogs. Tried, brought a bunch of weapons out, tried to do everything I could to take the focus off of what we had literally sold the audience on for months to now in one night go, no, ignore all of that, watch all of this. Of course it doesn't work. And was the boss man as upset about it as you are? Yeah, he was. It was embarrassing for both of us. It wasn't just embarrassing for me, it was embarrassing for him too. I mean, you know, we're out, we're, we're put in this ridiculous situation. I mean, what do you do? So, you know, and people, I love it when people ask that question because it gives me an opportunity to at least tell my side of it and to explain to people because what people don't get is that, and I don't know why, any person with a half an intellect should understand that if, if you make a murder mystery novel and then there's no body, <laughs> there's no murder, well, how, what are you gonna tell a story about? Right. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a bad situation.